Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast with your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the executive protection practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect her children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family. I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, Enjoy the show. Out. Boom. What's going on, you guys? Byron Rogers here with Bravo Research Group, a private security company out of Southern California and Executive Protection Lifestyle, this podcast. I'm here today with Ian Strinebeck of uh, Room Nation. Did I say it right, man? Close. Strimbeck, but... Strimbeck. Strimbeck. Okay, cool, cool. Potatoes, potatoes, whatever. It's all... <laughs> He's gracious. It's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. We have crossed paths a few times, but I think really what really drew me to you is your values, bro. Like, I've, I've just kind of, like, looked at your content, and I've been like, besides the fact we're both Marines... You know, Roth, there's always, Absolutely. but uh, man, your values are on point. And I think, you know, that's something that I think that uh, the industry could benefit from. Um, so it's an honor to have you here, man. I appreciate the The, the honor is all mine. I appreciate you having, on, uh, having me on the podcast. Anytime that I get to get on any type of podcast, I always value it because it's more, uh, you know, information that I can get out to um, the general public, which is always a win for me. So I appreciate that. So thank, thank you. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that, you know, that information, like one of the, I remember one of the things I saw on your website was about educating. That was like a, that was like I noticed you were tying a lot of stuff to that. We'll talk a yeah. little bit. Go ahead, yeah. hit it. Oh no, no, I, I was just saying because, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into this probably more later. But I always pride myself on being an educator, a teacher over a quote unquote instructor. And at the end of the day, it's all semantics. I understand that, you know, just like you know, with, with my name, tomatoes, tomatoes, you know, Strombeck, Strombeck, all the same. But at the end of the day, how I kind of value it is that instructor is somebody who shows up and just regurgitates stuff off of a clipboard um, and an educator as a teacher is actually um, able to decipher the different um, types of learners that are out there. So you also obviously you have the auditory learners, the visual learners, the kinesthetic learners that learn by actually doing. Um, and then um, the, uh, and then that's really about it. And just understanding all those various types of, of learners um, is going to make you that much better at getting your information across versus just reading it off a clipboard, hoping for the best. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. No, that's, that's deeper. That's much deeper than I think a lot of people take it. I think a lot of people make the mistake of expecting others to learn and soak up information the way that they do. And thus, you know, kind of the instruction loop is, is lacking in some areas. So, I mean, sounds like with your instruction and with your teaching, um, and your education, you're delivering it on a number of different levels that other people may not be. They may or may not be. So that's what's up, man. That's good to Absolutely, go. Absolutely. Thank you. Heck yeah, brother. So taking it from the top, man, 
the the infamous question. We were just at Shot Show a few minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, and I hate this question, but it's like it's like one of those pertinent questions. You know, it's like I meet a guy. We're kind of sniffing each other's butts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're doing yeah. the yeah. He's got it, and like someone's got to ask it, or like you get on a security detail. You get in the you get in the back of the chase, and everyone's kind of like looking at each other. We find a way to do it. Some guys like just drop it in, but anyways. Uh, what's your background, man? Where you come from? Sure. So uh, I was in the Marine Corps from 2006 to 2010. Um, during that time frame, I was a line infantryman. So I was with 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marine, 2nd Marine Division out of Camp Lejeune, yeah. uh, Lima Company, 2nd and 3rd Platoon. I was in every facet of fire team from the infamous SOG gun on my first deployment and then uh, obviously Grenadier and, uh, and team leader. And spent um, all four years of that, did uh, deployments overseas uh, to Iraq and all of the Mediterranean. Um, then after leaving in 2010, I immediately uh, went and used my GI Bill. Um, so I, I uh, used my terminal leave up as best as I could. Um, so I got out earlier than I, than I intended. So I got out, uh, let's say, in April. And by that fall, I was already uh, starting in school. And over the summer, I worked for a friend of mine, dad, who was a uh, who owned his own side business um, doing carpentry. So I kept busy the entire time. And as soon as I went in, I uh, went to look for a major in communications with a concentration in journalism, uh, just because I've always had a uh, a fascination and a passion for for writing. Um, like obviously I, I enjoy talking, um, in front of others, hence, you know, what I do for a living. Uh, but I really like to take my time and slow down and really get my thoughts across on not necessarily pen and paper, but you know, in modern day and age, more, more or less a keyboard and screen. Uh, so I pursued that, um, from 2010, 2014. And during that time frame, I, uh, also worked for a locally based executive protection firm at the greater Boston area. Uh, and, uh, uh, during that, I worked uh, multiple details in the uh, Boston area, and then also during that time frame, I also did the infamous, uh, you know, working let's say less than desirable bars at various hours of the night in the less than desirable areas of Boston. Yeah, you and that was when I exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I also got my I let's, let's say feet wet um, doing very basic firearms instruction because in Massachusetts you basically have to take a a Paul, the basic firearms course in order to apply for your license. And that's where I kind of started to um, kind of find my passion or my purpose more or less um, as to what I want to pursue. That is what's up, man. Good to go. I, uh, I love how you break into the Marine Corps and you just, just give it all to them. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> whenever I say my stuff too, I'm like, yeah, I was three, one Lima company, Webb's platoon. I'm an old Well, you know how, you know how people <laughs> are in today's day and age, man. Like people like to, you know, I've come across so many people that are so vague about what they did. And it's like, right. dude, if you were supply, you were supply. If you were yeah. your motor T, like be proud of what you did. I understand why right. people you know, feel the need to lie. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, I have, I have plenty of friends that, you know, um, you know, were, you know, Rangers or, or, or SF and they joke and say that, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a special forces, uh, uh, groupie just because those are the guys that I surround myself with. And yeah, I am, you know, I'm not going to go and tell you that, you know, well, you know, I, I was, I was basically recon cause, uh, you know, I, like, no, I was <laughs> I was a grunt, you know, yeah. uh, the, the, and people like, Oh, so, you know, where'd you get most of your training? To be honest, most of the training that I learned, I use now, I got 
of paying money out of my own pocket after I left the military. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go and say that, that the, you know, the military is horrible training, but it's definitely, especially in the line of work that I was definitely break it down. Barney sounds very archaic and, and indoctrinated. But the one thing that Marine Corps did teach me was definitely having a, uh, you know, developing mindset to never quit, to always, you know, push forward and obviously to have lots of patience, as you know. Yeah, man, I can't, absolutely. No, I think, I mean, with the military, you know, and I didn't realize this till I got out. And you said like so many things in there that are worth talking about. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's the people that are trying to shry, uh, uh, shroud kind of what they've done. And, you yeah. know, like to me, I'm like, cool. Like you were ghost stalker, ninja master, you know, uh, Jedi freaking GI guy. What can you do now? You know, cause in my industry, like not everybody's staying sharp. I'm on a number of security details and like, I got to pull teeth, twist arms and like, you know, like, like push guys hard to even get them to come to a shooting competition or get them out to the range. You know what I mean, yep. so guys in my world, they let their, their skills uh, fall apart quite frequently. So, you know, I might be talking to like Delta force night stalker guy, but you know, what matters to me is what can you do when we push off today and, and we break that line of departure? If heaven forbid it is the blue moon, the full blue moon when something actually actually happens yeah i mean like straight so, up sicario yeah, right yeah 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 <laughs> if it happens to be that one day you know so yeah. um you know so to me like i'm like okay cool i dig your background respect you know but then it's like all right like you know if we go to the range when's the last time you touched your weapon i know you know this is true you know oh, yeah. i look at you i look at you draw your weapon i look at you you know deal with your weapon and i can tell how intimate you are with it I can tell if you've been training, if you've been, you know, getting some dry firing in, I can tell if, you know, maybe, you know, you guys need to work on your relationship a little bit. No shame in your game. If you're at the range, getting it in. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. But, uh, no, no, it's uh, it, it's, it's too uh, prevalent in this community of people relying on what they did to determine, uh, what they're currently doing. And yeah. like you just said, all well and good. If, you know, you were in CAG or, you know, the teams or dev group for, you know, two decades, been on, you know, uh, you know, 10, 15 deployments, all well and good. Uh, but I, you know, we'll get into this later, but outside of the basic fundamental mechanics of how you're integrating with the firearm tactics constantly change. You know, if you got out 20 years ago, you are like two decades behind like the power curve. Sweet. So, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> completely out of it. And I feel like a lot of guys solely rely on that, not only to market themselves, but to hold some form of legitimacy in this space. Yeah. And that's why I have no shame, you know, to tell people about what I did, but I very briefly talk about, it. not that I'm ashamed of it, but it has no, bearing it on has no hold or bearing onto what I'm providing for my customers or my clients. Nah, 100%, man. And I think the military is really good for giving you like an engine. Yeah, I mean, like if I'm dealing with another Marine, like I know like, okay, this dude knows how to go hard. Like this dude, <laughs> his killer instinct should be pretty sharp. Like I can depend on this cat on certain stuff. I can yeah. speak with this individual in a certain way without worrying about his emotions and his feelings. Yeah, I mean, like there's yeah. certain things I can expect and be like, 
wow, we instantly, like they say, um, affection is reserved for peers. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. you know, like I could de- I got to deal with everyone a certain way and like we can be couth and professional and all this. But then like if I'm dealing with a Marine, I know like, hey, dude, if we got to go hard, we got to go hard. And he's going to be right there with me. And like, we're going to hold that freaking line. It's awesome. Or even if I'm dealing with like, you know, a, a recon guy or a SEAL or, or, or whatever, like I don't know their ethos as well, but I'm going to be yeah. able to like have some gauge of expectations. You know, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I love it when I go to a shooting competition and some dude, some sixteen-year-old girl smoking everybody. Not that shooting competitions are the litmus test for tactical proficiency, but you know, what I mean, or some like dudes like comes off of, of of his match, like comes off of his turn to shoot, and it's like, well, what do you do? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm a jeweler. You know, what I mean, like yeah. the, best guy <laughs> yeah. the whole entire day. Yeah, I'm a plumber. You know, what I mean, like you know, what I mean, it's like, hey, oh yeah, like. I had to learn real quick, like when I got out kicking it with my boys, you know, uh, just because I did some stuff like, dude, I'm still trying to catch up with a lot of the guys that got me into the game, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and it's that constant, constant chase as to yeah. what should, should push you forward, should, should be your vehicle that, that propels you, so to speak. Yeah, heck yeah, dude. Always chasing that edge, like that potential always moves, man. We got to move with it. So, absolutely. Um, now that's all good stuff, man. I'm glad we talked about that, man. Got to keep guys on their toes. We got to know, like, yo, your edge will get dull. Yeah, I'm saying, like, if you don't Absolutely. sharpen that trash, like, you don't. There's no participation trophies in this game. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you don't want to find out. You don't want to find out. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, you want to sharpen that thing as as, as frequently. Yeah, and 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 you know, it, it's it's like I tell my students, my classes, like, no one that was. Uh, viciously assaulted uh, and, you know, had brute violence come their way, stepped outside their house that morning and was like, you know, today is a good day to absolutely, you know, almost have my life or have my life taken from me. Yeah. You, you don't know. I don't have a magic crystal ball that's going to tell you when my fight happens or your fight happens or anybody else. So to, to kind of just hope and improvise that, um, you know, that day will never come or you'll just improvise those skills on the spot. Um, right. just because, you know, it, 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 it's like the same people that you see watch in bars, like a mixed martial arts fight with the UFC. Yeah. And they're like, you know, trying to cheer them on, like give them comments. And it's like, dude, when, when was the last time you've been on the mat? When was the last <laughs> right. time you had a bag? Like, yeah, dude, you're, you're getting out of breath. You're screaming at the TV. So yeah. why do you have, why should be you be adding your two cents at all? No, and again, absolutely. At, at the end of the day, you know, we're in America, it's free speech, do whatever you want, but yeah. that's just coming from my opinion. So. No, I, I absolutely <laughs> dig it, man. I absolutely dig it. And that's, that's the truth. It's, uh, that's the truth, man. So Rune Nation, what does this mean? So uh, for this name, I wanted something very ambiguous and something that didn't have anything tactical or firearms related into it. Um, the reason for that is because again, it's so prevalent in this space and everybody has something tied to, you know, whatever firearms, tactical, whatever it may be. And I wanted something, not only it stand out because obviously it brings up questions such as this. Um, so it's a good, uh, it's a good opener for conversation and, you know, uh, you know, for consulting reasons or whatever, there's a lot of, uh, you know, as you know, in the space that you're in, there's a lot of, uh, you know, bigger, uh, corporate companies that obviously don't, you know, that may potentially not want to do business with you because of the verbiage in your company name. So I wanted something that, like I said, uh, you know, was very ambiguous didn't have any, you know, ties to anything specific. Um, because as you know, which we'll get into later, it's not just about 
the gun specifically. And also our, you know, to, to get really, you know, deep with this runes, uh, are, uh, basically a ancient, we'll say alphabet of sorts, uh, in the Scandinavian region. Um, they're basically, uh, symbols that are, I guess you'd say similar to, um, Mandarin, you know, uh, Chinese where each, uh, uh, letter or or symbol has a meaning and a uh, phonetic pronunciation behind it. Um, so, that is, you know, where my heritage come from. And I'm, you know, I don't care, you know, specifically where you come from, but everybody should be proud of, you know, where your lineage came from, especially in today's day and age, you can't say this or that, or be proud of this. And at the end of the day, um, regardless of, of your, of your thoughts or ideals on, on violence and, and personal protection, all that, um, even if you are so, you know, again, not to get into politics, but so left that you're, you know, completely against guns, you're completely against, you know, violence or whatever. The, the fact of the matter is your, <laughs> your ancestors fought and died and bled and, and, and battled with clans and tribes across ancient tundra for thousands of years before you to get you where you are today, to, to continue your bloodline to where you are now. Yeah. So, so regardless of where you came from, I feel like people kind of forget that as to what was needed for you to currently be living here. Yeah, so, experiencing what you've got. And, and, it's, and, and it's also, you know, it's hard to see, but yeah. it's also what's yeah. on my hands as well. Um, so, I, so I figured, you know, if something is as important to uh, put on my hands, I might as well try to incorporate it into my company name. And that's where I actually got the logo, which is on my hand as well, which is yeah, uh, what's called the August humor or the helm of awe, which was worn as a symbol of protection before, uh, you know, the, those Nordic wars went into battle, um, you know, as a sign of, of protection and to uh, protect themselves against um, those who want to do them harm. So. Outstanding, man. Yeah. I was going to ask you what that tattoo was because I'd be seeing it and all your yeah, stuff. Absolutely. And I was absolutely. like, all right, but you already went there. That's what's up, man. So the rune yeah. rune nation. So the rune portion of it represents kind of a, is it an alphabet or is it like a, a people? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So the, the technical term of it is you have the elder and the younger Futhark okay. um, a- alphabet. So this is part of the elder, which was the, obviously the oldest form of uh, that language. And, uh, you know, for just for a quick example, so the one of my pinky is, you know, being, being proud of your ancestry. Um, This one is uh, being proud of, or, or uh, for mastery. Um, This one for justice and um, judgment. And then this one is for um, strength. So very kind of basic stuff like that as to, what it stands for and nation obviously because I travel all around uh, the United States teaching um, kind of an all encompassing kind of filler there, I guess you'd say. That's what's up, man. So then are those, if you had a value system, are those, is that your values? The, what you had on your fist? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, uh, like on the other one you have, um, um, you know, um, fertility, you have endurance, you have protection, then you have one for healthy, relationships so obviously you need yeah. that yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man relationships I, I always say everything that comes in and out of your life will come through relationships both positive and negative negative. absolutely know? and i've kicked it around and thought about it and 
generally that's that's the game, man. Uh, in business. Well, see, the, the, the crazy part is, and, yeah. and I don't know why it's so hard for people to understand, but, and I've said this in the past, and I will, you know, continually say until I'm blue in the face, but it costs $0.00 to be a good person. Right. Just that simple. And I, I, I think too many people just overlook that in lieu of, um, you know, narcissism or an unhealthy and untamed ego um, yeah. that it hasn't been put in its place yet or just simply they're more worried about the amount in their bank account yeah man or insecurity let's ego yeah all the ego stuff and honestly like uh i've talked about that before on here man like good dude currency man like yeah get a call i need some guys i got one or two two dudes i got one or two guys i can send you what about this guy jeff he's a good dude the second you say he's a good dude they're like <laughs> Solid. If you say he's a good, <laughs> yeah, that, that, and, and and that's your word. Yeah, your, your 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 word is everything. And you know, when I was trans, and again, not to go on a tangent here, but I feel like we're going on a bunch it's of tangents tangent. with this. But podcast is about going on tangents, bro. Like, <laughs> spray all your information out into the universe. It's going into right, the right. industry. Yeah, man, Just give it to him. Um, that was probably not my biggest issue when I transitioned out of the military was yeah. coming to the understanding that out here, unfortunately, word isn't everything. You can't right. sometimes hold somebody to their word. And that was a big, and it still kind of is a big issue uh, right. for me to, to get across. You know, something as simple as, you know, I get a DM, oh, yeah, man, I'll totally be at that class. And this is, you know, like probably like three months out prior to the class. And then, you know, I, you know, get back. Uh, probably like a month out, you know, I hit him up like, Hey, how's it going? Oh yeah. You know, I, uh, you know, it says this thing came up. Yeah. Yeah. Like I get it. Things come up, but I'm calling bullshit. Yeah, right. <laughs> just because, you know, I saw you post, you know, yesterday about how you just bought out, bought a new LaRue with a one to six optic and, you know, you know, a pair of dual tube white phosphorus night vision. And now you're telling me that you can't afford the class. Like I'm calling you. Yeah. 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 No. And you know what it is, man. Like, I mean, first of all, it's a certain frequency. Like when you hear the person or you even oh, yeah. see the text message, <laughs> you just instantly something in you is like, here we go. Like I like yep. put on the lens, like I've got to sit through this. I'll be nice about it. But like, I get it. It's just where you are. God bless you. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, yep. um, yep. but you just kind of know. And I completely dig it. Uh, when I got out of the same thing, man, like I missed it. Like, well, because I was raised in like all feminine household, five sisters. We had a <laughs> and a pom poo poo, my grandma, my auntie, my mom, the women raised me. And I think they did a pretty decent job. I mean, um, by the grace of God, like I learned my man stuff from like God and the Marine Corps, <laughs> you know? And my dad yep. was, you know, he was in another country. I wouldn't visit him. He'd like just tighten me up when I go down there. But um, yeah, man, like learning. I, I loved like the man law that was in the Marine Corps, you know, when I was in there. I was in there from 08, uh, 04 to 08. And I got out because okay. that was going away. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like oh, I was yeah. like, no, it was, was, like, was ruining this. By the time I got out, completely gone. But you, 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 you have uh, – PSC is talking back to, you know, Lance Corporals with, with ah. two diplomas on their belt because they can't, you know, no. because they know they'll go and cry to first sergeant. And then I can say, you know, that salty Lance Corporal's getting chewed out by the first sergeant. Ah, uh, so it's like mother. Oh, yeah. You have to like mother yeah. your Marines now. Like you can't, oh, like, yeah. 
teach them like the way of like men and like it's not a man's club anymore it's, oh you mean like screwing up and getting haze in a shower with full nbc <laughs> while they're pulling bleach in the shower yes yes <laughs> with your moonbeam with your moonbeam kind of plot points yes yeah exactly what i'm talking about yeah. verbatim yeah. Dude. yes yeah Oh, man, but you know what? It builds character, makes a man out of you. You're a little more yep. fearless as long as you survive it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, uh, <laughs> dude, you got more fight in you. And you know what? Your boys know what you're capable of when you guys are over there. Absolutely. Weird, man, and crazy and intense. Um, man, that was the beauty of that. And I, I literally went there to help develop my masculinity. I know it. And, yeah, man, towards the end when there, I was like, I've got to lead these men from the front, but I've got to mother these guys. Like, I got to talk to them about stuff. You know, I was like, okay, well, you know what? I can't go to war with a man who I don't, like, know his soul. You know what I mean? Like, he needs to hold up. He needs to hold up under the stress of me raising my voice. Or even maybe we get physical, heaven forbid. Yeah, I mean, and maybe he doesn't break, heaven forbid. And maybe we go on ahead and get a little bit closer between, because that's how men get close. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh Men get close through adversity, regardless of all the stuff you hear in the news. Mm -hmm. That is how men develop close relationship is through some form of adversity. A pressure cooker, the, the, the the grinder, the, the, uh, crucible, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's what's up. And then you mentioned something else like hardware and software, man, you know, like, uh, I've had a lot of questions come at me and maybe you can put your spin on this people being like yo what kind of gun should i buy what kind of like you know optic is the best this that and the next cookie burger and i'm like you know that's great um but i i stand with the whole premise that like rookies spend money on hardware professionals spend money on software like really you should be able to pick up pretty much any gun and whip it on if you need to unless it's like foreign yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean um uh, what gun should you buy? Uh, it's kind of like what training should you get? And in, in my opinion is like, like the very next, if not maybe an equally important question. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah. I, I feel like too many people are just mimicking what they see on social media, more specifically IG, just because of how huge um, the gun industry is on there. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword because it's awesome because not only does it get, you know, information across from you or I or other great companies that are out there, uh, but it also um, inadvertently uh, makes people think that they need to just mimic what or uh, mimic their purchases of what they see other people running, um, even though they may have not even been to a class yet. Um, and just like you said, you should be able to pick up any gun stock and run it in a class. And I've had students do that in the past and they do perfectly fine. And I have more issues with the students that have the tricked out gun with, you know, the weapons light and the comp and the red dot and the, in the hair trigger and all this, all the extra bells and whistles. And that's fine because I'll, I, I'll be lying if I told you that my teaching gun isn't like that, but yeah. you should build that good foundation first because Again, like I tell my students in the class, you can have this this bomb mansion with, you know, your movie theater and your jacuzzi and an indoor pool with, the, you know, retracting floor and, you know, this ridiculous kitchen with, you know, heated flooring and all that. But if you had some bozo come in 
and make a crap foundation for you, that house is going to crumble at some point. It's true. So the same thing with same thing with your training. If, yeah. if you want to have the flashy guns, but you don't even know how to draw the pistol out of the holster, you're gonna have a hard time, my friend. Yeah. So if you want to build those the foundation first with that stock gun, that's fine. And then anything that you get afterwards, just gonna be it's just gonna be an added advantage that you're gonna have over the bad guy. Yeah, one hundred percent. And something I'm seeing a lot on IG on the EPL page, like I'm posting all these like real world like combat situations. There is a a stark and expensive difference between trained people and untrained people. Uh, yep. Man, like surviving these encounters, you can tell when someone has some training, you can tell when they needed a little more training in certain areas. Like, man, that dude, like they went hands on and, or this is getting intense. This individual can't bridge the gap from intense to shooting someone. And now they've shot someone or, you know, this individual has some training and is taking this corner properly. This guy's just walking up to the door. Boom. He's done. You know what I mean? Like, so you see all these different dynamics play out, you know, and like, in my opinion, man, it's really starting to look like, well, we know, we know this, we know this from, you know, fighting in other countries where it's like, we know exactly what we're going to do once those rounds start flying. And we know exactly how we're going to maneuver and how we're going to cover and how aggressive and violent we're going to be. And the other guys are kind of like not inoculated to it. And it's rap, you know. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I just guess what I want everyone here to hear the fact that like you can buy whatever gun you want, but your program, your game is only going to be as good as your software, as your programming. So. Absolutely. And, and, and that just comes through more than likely the repetitive, boring stuff that most yeah. people don't want to do because it's inherently boring, such as spending five minutes a night just doing presentation from the holster or just working reloads or transitioning yeah. target to target, whatever it may be. Yeah. And that requires again, $0.00. It's free and you can do it on your own in the comfort of your own, but it takes time out of football game or the video game or hanging out with the boys. So, <laughs> so we're not going to do it. Yeah. And it's, it's just a failure point on them. And unfortunately, it's going to come to a tipping point if and when they're put in a situation where they're going to become the victor or the victim. Yeah. And unfortunately the tides are probably going to be on the ladder. Yeah, man. And also I think, I think another kind of thing that maybe you can touch on like courses, you know, you go to a course, get sped up on some new, some new, some new techniques. You know, I feel like courses are exposure to new tactics until you freaking run that trash and hit it and it's part of your, you know, and you, and you get some reps with it. It's not yours. <laughs> I mean, like you can't, yeah, you can't no. expect to run it when you're in stressed out situation. Absolutely. And I'm, and again, um, I tell my clients that all the time that, you know, I wish I could say that in these eight hours, you know, if it's one day class 16, if it's two, mm -hmm that you're going to leave these one or two days, you know, being a grandmaster USPSA champion, it's not going to happen. Right. You know, I'm, I'm trying to feed you as much quality information that I can in these eight or 16 hours, but it's your job to take these drills with you. Now they're yours mm -hmm. and practice them on your own. You come to, you know, a class for the training, but then it's on you for the practice of said training. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it, it's, you know, that's why I put, you know, on the course requirements, you know, for, for a gear list, a, a notepad and pen. And mm -hmm. people are confused about that. Like, oh, well, what do I need that for? It's like, well, so you can take down the information. What do you think you're going to, 
learn these skills in eight hours and be like, all right, never have to practice that again. You know, I'm good. I, I downloaded it like, like, I gotta, like Neo in, yeah. in Matrix or something, you know? I got That's not how this works. Yeah. That's not how any of this works. Yeah, no, man. You got to be a, a, a student, man. Absolutely. Okay, so Marine Corps, biggest takeaway from the Marine Corps, man, that you would say that you gained from that experience that contributes to kinda, it? Kind of similar to you, um, hardening of the soul. So more specifically, like when I was a kid, I was anything of what I am today. I was, you know, I'm an only child. I didn't do typical sports. Um, I grew up either hiking or mountain biking. I, I didn't do, you know, jujitsu or wrestling or any of that. So as a child, I was a soft target. I was a target for the, for, for the jocks or whoever else it may be. So I had, uh, you know, a pretty, I actually hated going to school until I got to high school um, and then kind of found myself in my purpose. And hence, you know, I actually, you know, did the debt program in the Marine Corps, signed up a year early. My, my mom had a sign, you know, you know, when I was 17, you know, signed and all that. Um, and that, that was probably one of the, the biggest things was, you know, to show myself, you know, that I was capable of a lot more than what was, you know, in my mind, what I originally thought was possible. Yeah. And, you know, when I was picking branches of services, uh, you know, in my mind, when you're, you know, in high school, you know, well, it's the most elite branch. So I'm, I'm going to pick it. it. It's the most difficult, you know, this is why I want to do it. Yeah. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to pick the infantry. You know, I, I could have had other jobs and even my recruiter said so, but I wanted to do what the Marine Corps was designed for. You know, the Marine Corps, in my opinion, isn't designed for being a cook no. or being in the band or any of that no. crap. Right. The, the Marine Corps, you know, it isn't is, in an exception. Everything else supports the infantry. You no. know, at the end of the day, everything that I saw when I was growing up, the, the, you know, Marine Corps was the infantry, you know, especially, uh, you know, in, you know, the early 2000s with the, you know, the, the video is still floating around. It's probably, probably your unit's video, you know, uh, 3-1 when they first pushed through Fallujah, that infamous, you know, video. Yeah, breaking you, and yeah, 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 that was my boys. And yeah. when I was in boot camp, man, they showed me that video, like duct taped our eyelids open, man, it was that video a hundred oh, times, yeah. man. Um, yeah. And let's see, another one was uh, definitely purpose. Um, yeah. So, you know, I didn't want to go to college. Uh, I had no reason for it, you know, I, and I feel like I'm not going to say at all that I think the, the military should be mandatory, but I feel like a lot of parents push kids into college that really shouldn't be. And they're just flushing money down the toilet. Yeah. Uh, because the reality is, is what 17 or 18 year old kid really knows their why or their purpose going into college. And now they're going to have to, unless they're on some type of scholarship, you know, they're going to be in debt indefinitely. You know, like I still know, you know, friends of mine that didn't go in the military that are, you know, in their mid thirties and they're still in yeah. debt from college and they're still paying off, which is just insane to me. Um, so definitely the, the, the purpose part or the why uh, more or less um, was, you know, built in the Marine Corps. And, um, and I guess with that definitely direction as well. Um, and that's what kind of helped, uh, shape what I wanted to do, you know, after I left the military, like, obviously I got out in 2010 It took me about seven years to finally go in with my why quit my job and start my own business. So it almost took me, um, you know, a decade to do that. And most people, under that amount of pressure or that amount of failure probably would have 
crumbled, um, you know, with that, you know, giant gap. But for me, you know, everything takes time. And I feel like a lot of people that um, start on a new business venture or, you know, if they, you know, let's say they start jujitsu, I I use jujitsu a lot. That's a big part of my life, but you know, any type of martial art, um, they start in the gym, whatever it may be. I think people, because of the age that we live in, like you can order something on Amazon, have it to your door the next day because of how everything is readily available. They think that translates over to other facets like, owning your own business, like martial arts, like, you know, uh, you know, getting in shape. And and it's not there. There is no miracle pill, regardless of the infomercials you see on TV that will get you thin. It's going to take time. It's going to take dedication. (laughs) It's going to hurt. And I feel like a lot of people just don't want to see it or they do. And they're completely oblivious and ignorant to it because they don't want to acknowledge it. And, um, two other ones would, would be just, uh, which is kind of a negative, I guess, for my wife is I'm very regimented about things. Yeah, I know. Um, You've been and, like, even in this process with me, you're like hitting me up. I'm like, yo, I'm getting it, man. <laughs> I'm like, I got oh, yeah. it. I'm going to get it to you, bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, no, right I'm, on time. Yeah, like, I'm, calling me I'm like, so what's up? Like, like, I'm getting like, in here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I have like, you know, a layout of my day. I'm, I'm regimented yeah. about what I'm doing. Heck and yeah. I get like all bent out of shape. It's like, yeah the kids throw something, the cog of my wheel or something goes out of shape. My wife tells me chill out and I get all bent out of shape about it. But chill out. It, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then the last one would be just a general appreciation of life. Um, a good example of this is when I first started college, you know, I'm this 23 year old freshman mm-hmm. in early morning, eight o'clock college yeah, right. classes yeah. with 17 year old kids and they're half the class never showed up at all. Yeah. They just, failed out of their classes and uh, and then you know you'd be walking past uh you know the cafeteria or you know the the, the coffee store on the way to class people complain about you know cream instead of sugar in the coffee or whatever maybe these little you know these little minutious things that you just want to just slap them across you know the back of the head that and that took a, another long time for me to just relax and breathe about because you know i was i, I was i let's just say i didn't have the greatest Exfil out of the Marine Corps. I didn't have yeah. the best leadership, so I was kind of jaded and, and tainted for okay. for a good while, and especially going right into college right after. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a very vast, um, you know, idea of what I think people should be like. But then, obviously, as you grow and you get older, I realized that it's not everybody's job to do what you or I or other people yeah. like us did. You know, I don't want you know that that idiot. Johnny down the street, you know, joined the military because he's just a, a moron and would get somebody killed, you know, in yeah. the military. So, yeah. you know, and, and not to, you know, sound like I'm superior to anybody else, but I'd much rather myself do that than have somebody else down the street that shouldn't be going to the military do it. So if they want to complain about it, all good, all, all good and well. Right. That's the right to do it. No, you yep. just push and move on. Yeah, no, 100%, man. Like, I'm totally tracking with you. That, I think... I think those, I mean, cause you know, we were looking at like suicide and stuff, my guys getting out and like tapping out and stuff, you know, that was kind of a big issue for a while. Um, it still is, you know, and I think that these values are kind of what we have to learn how to navigate once we get out like big time. You know, I think one of the big ones is like you were saying, people's word isn't what it used to be when you're in there and everything, you know, everything counts on your decisions when you're in there. But also like, um, I think a big one is getting out and realizing that 
you know, no one's really got your back like your dudes had your back like ever again for the rest of your entire life. <laughs> you know, like yeah. realizing that like they don't even really know what it is to really be there a lot of times because most civilian lives don't require that. You know, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, no, I, I I I totally track with you on that stuff. Uh, those are great takeaways, man. I think for me, I, what I got out of it was a discipline and, like you said, perspective. Learning how to go hard and understanding, like, yo, this is not a bad day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it can, I it can always be worse. Always. It, always. You can always be hungrier. You can yeah. always be colder. You can always oh, be yeah. wetter. You can always wetter. be more tired. Exactly. <laughs> it was raining on the range the other day and guys were starting to get miserable. I was even starting to get a little bit like, this is, I don't know how cool this is. Like, am I going to do this for real today? But then like <laughs> this thing in my head was like, Hey bro, Hey bro, you get to go inside. Good to go. <laughs> like you know, there was this moment. I remember this every time I stayed in the field, like the first day I remember literally being like, like, you know, it would suck or it'd be whatever. And then like around like eight, eight thirty, I'd be like, all right, cool. Like and I would find myself thinking about when I got went home, when I was going home, like, yeah, and then when I get home I want to do this, that and the next thing. And then I remember this every time there was this moment where I'd realize, like, oh snap. We're gonna be out here for like three days. <laughs> and yeah. this small death would happen in my stomach, like, oh, oh man. <laughs> and then I remember being like, Okay, all right, now I gotta suck it up, embrace the suck and just get it in. Yeah. That's what's up. False motivation. Yeah, dude. <laughs> to find that false motivation. Uh, well, well, I mean, you know, to to to, to be the, uh, I feel like false motivation sometimes is necessary in times of um, strife or adversity, especially when you're in a group, you know, in the Marine Corps, for instance, um, or just general dark humor. That's why oh, yeah. I also had to alter not only my language <laughs> when I left the Marine Corps, yeah, like, but also my my sense of humor because people would like look at me like um like you know you crazy. or whatever yeah, your path. yeah like, oh, exactly like oh man like what's wrong what's wrong with this guy yeah, yeah right that was dark that's not okay <laughs> it's like did you just drop a dead baby joke like what the hell is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> right? exactly exactly oh man okay <laughs> it's too real man it's too real that's what's up um yeah. What would you say you learned? Because, like, I don't know. I feel like executive protection guys try to turn their noses up sometimes at, like, uh, bouncers and at, like, event security dudes and stuff like that. Like, they're very different. But I felt like my time bouncing and stuff like that, I was learning that there's a lot to learn really quick because, like, you're close quarters with a high volume of people, and if you don't do things right, you can get tightened up. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. you're dealing with – mentally unstable people by definition if they are intoxicated they are not even in the mental state to to, to drive a car you know what i mean um yeah. were there any takeaways from that experience that you want to contribute um well definitely knowing your um surroundings and i'm not going to say uh situational awareness uh just because it's another huge buzzword in the industry that i feel like um has People really don't understand the terminology, and this was brought to my attention by a good friend and mentor of mine, Craig Douglas of uh, ShivWorks, and he basically explained it as, you know, how do you actually aware? There's no really one definition to aware. You know, it's a verb, it's a noun, it's an adjective. There's really no one thing to describe what aware is. So instead, he, and now I, like to use the term uh, past fixation. 
So you want to limit whenever possible task fixation, which is the, which is in a constant flux of either narrowing or broadening, depending on what you're doing in your day. Now, obviously if you're, you know, uh, walking the, you know, uh, walking a diamond with your principal and you're looking at your, um, what's around you, obviously you're broadened. Um, but let's say that, um, you know, you're focused more on your principal because they're talking with somebody when they're walking down the red carpet or whatever it may be. Now your focus is more narrow. So understanding it's in this constant flux and it's not just like this 365, 360 degree security at all times that you're going to be yeah. able to, you know, you have eyes in back because it's just unrealistic. Right. And that's why I think it's funny when people are like, oh yeah, I got my back, you know, when I go eating, go to the back to restaurant and, you know, I, I, I always, you know, check my, you know, scan my surroundings. Like, okay, well, how do you have like a healthy relationship with your significant other? If you're just like constantly scanning your surroundings, you probably look like a paranoid schizo because you're looking around all the time. You probably live a very high strung and anxiety ridden lifestyle. So I'm not going to say to go around and just be like, Oh, if I get ambush, I get ambush, but just understand that, you know, enjoy life uh, and just try to limit whenever possible at that task fixation. So that's probably one of the, the biggest things was, you know, doing patrols overseas and, you know, having that broadening of, of what's around you. Um, and also, you know, working in teams, working with uh, uh, other people. Yeah. Um, but probably one of the, the biggest differences is, as you probably have seen in the past, is that usually principals don't really see the need for you. And, um, again, depending on them, um, you know, they may inadvertently look down on you because they don't, again, see a need for you and, you, and they may view as you getting in their way and, um, you know, may inadvertently treat you like, like more of a servant than an actual person that's trying to protect their life or their family's life. Right, right. Um, so, so that's probably one of the other vast differences is basically you are getting paid to get treated like dirt, which I guess is the same <laughs> in the Marine Corps. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No, I understand, man. I think, yeah, man. I mean, on that last one, it really comes down to like your optics, man. Like, because I've seen that wreck some dudes, especially dudes that just got out of the military and they're like, yo, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've taken lives for more or less than disrespect. You know, they're oh, like, yeah. I was oh, yeah. in charge of millions of dollars of equipment, like the John Rambo speech, like these guys, you know, and, and you have like your honor and you have all this stuff and you're serving your country and whatever. Then you get out in the, in, in the first civilian division or you get into executive protection or you get into bouncing and you're sitting at a door and there's some inebriated person just, just dishonoring. Egging you on. And trying yeah. to get you to just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or there's, uh, you know, some, some client, you know, some, acting singing talent or ceo who like just doesn't have time for you and treats you like you're just the chauffeur and you're the coffee getter yeah. and you know and carry my luggage carry yeah man and you're like hmm you know i guess it's definitely worth talking about how to overcome that you know um it yeah what would you say? um i would say it's all, it all comes down to your personal humility. And, um, I always say be humble and a good friend of mine, Teddy, he's in a, uh, he, he, he's in a unit, uh, in a, in a soft unit now, um, currently deployed. And the best way that he, he said it to me, he said, yeah, sure. Be humble, but let the motherfuckers know <laughs> when you need to, Yeah, so be humble, yeah, yeah. but let them know when you need to. 
So, yeah. so it's especially in the field when you're in a corporate environment, you know, suit and tie, yeah. you're around clean cut people. You're not around the, the heathens we'll say yeah. of the Marine Corps. You're, right. you're not around draggers <laughs> that are putting wads of dip in and smoking cigarettes and, yeah. you know, in a, in, and you know, are ready to bring the fight. You are around an individual that potentially has a large bounty on his head or maybe has a mentally disturbed relative or a, a fanboy or somebody else that, you know, may have a threat against them. And they have never even, touched can't even understand of violence right or they have never been placed in any form of adversity because everything has been given to them on a silver platter right and again that's not to go and say again going back to the point i'm not saying everybody needs to join the military or you know you know be a sicko like me and jump into frozen rivers okay i was gonna ask you about that bro (laughs) like i was looking at your instagram and i was like for real man i was like is this a boomerang because he's been in that water for like an eternity i'm like it's gotta be a boomerang (laughs) bro we can't yeah yeah we i i mean wait go ahead with your point maybe we'll get to that later Yeah, we, we can definitely go into that later because I definitely want to uh, bring up a, a, a whole slew of benefits with that. But okay. probably uh, with it just it just being able to swallow your pride. And, and I feel like, uh, again, because of what you, you or I or other people in the military did, our accomplishments, it fuels this unhealthy and untouched ego in, in our mind. And now we left that sector. We got in the military. We, we retired, whatever it may be. Yeah. And now we're placed kind of back into the civilian sector. And I think, uh, Scott Spooner, the, the Spooner brothers, Tom and Scott Spooner said it best. And, and, uh, Tom was a former CAD guy. He said, it's basically like getting out of the joint, right? I've never yeah. been in jail, so I can't say, you know, but I have this um, term called combat tutionalized, you know, and yep. it might be something along with what you're about to say. Well, go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you know, you talk to like, I, I talked to my senior Marines after they got out cause they got out a year, you know, uh, before I did. And I hit up and be like, yo man, so what it's like. So, so, so you can wake up whenever you want. So, yeah. so, so you like don't have to get a haircut. So like, <laughs> so, so like you can like drink whenever you want to, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's this weird concept. And, and I feel like again, there's this, there's this huge, disparity of what civilians you know believe or understand that we do and basically when you sign you know that that line when 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 you take your oath and you raise your right hand you are giving away your rights for x amount of time and you know it is our choice there was nobody with a gun to my head or your head that said you know you have to win the military i'm not not complaining about the service i did but it does come with a form of sacrifice that a lot of people don't understand. And once you get back out, it's like you get all this freedom at once again, just as unconstrained, unrelished, pure freedom. And you sometimes just don't know how to handle it. You're just like, wait, so I can like do whatever I want. There's like, yeah. like uh, staff sergeant's not going to be at my ass or being late to formation. Wait, there's no formation. You know, all, <laughs> all these various things that it does take some time to getting used to. And of course, you know, the Marine Corps does, you know, the, the, uh, the tap, I forget what it's called, but it's the TAPS program, basically they, that you know, it, and it's like a week long or like whatever. Like a check in the box. We're like, Oh yeah. You should not be that crazy. Cause we did this now. Go oh, be yeah. crazy. <laughs> exactly. And you know, 
everybody there is like, well, at least I don't have to show up to formation day. I know I was, I wasn't paying attention to that class. I was, I was just glad that I was getting out. I didn't, I didn't give a, I didn't give a crap what they were saying there. Exactly. So, so then you push these, these guys out, you know, they, they get their D, their DD214 and they go back at home and now they're like, all right, so go have it life. And now they're just completely lost because they're so used to getting paid on the first and 15th. They're getting, uh, they're so used to getting, you know, somebody tell them to go to formation, somebody tell them what to do. And yeah. now it's all on them to fulfill the rest of their life. That and that's really awesome. difficult for some people. Yeah, man. No, it takes a while to be able to readjust to that. And then who they believe they are in their mind and all that stuff is having a hard time reconciling itself with the reality of the cartoon that is civilian life. Like there's no place you have to find and carve out a place for your warrior ethos in the civilian. Absolutely. If you're not deliberate about that, that warrior inside you start to die. And that I believe the atrophy of identity. And I think that's why so many warriors take their lives out here in this thing. You're like a Lamborghini curse to drive in a school zone for the rest of your life at 25 miles an hour. You just don't know how to figure it out. So I always say you got to find your new fight. Yeah. I mean, if, you got to find it, whatever that thing is, you got to hit it hard, you know, so you can just keep yourself healthy. But nah, man, what, what you were saying towards the beginning of that too, was about the relationships with clients and civilians, even, you know, while doing security work. Um, no, that was good. You got to let them know, essentially you need to define the parameters of the relationship. You know what I mean? Yep. Cause like you got to make a bed that you can sleep in for a longer period of time. And that's your responsibility, you know? Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. You know, I, I agree 100%. There've been times when I've definitely let clients go beyond the point that anyone else could ever go. You know what I mean? Uh, just because of the optics on the relationship. I think also too, it's important to have the right optics on the relationship. It's kind of like this job, this client represents this income that's getting me here. I love that my income allows me to do these things, create this podcast, uh, build what I'm building on social media and, 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 and do all these things. And so that lends a lot more grace to those things. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. it, it makes it kind of like, okay, cool. You know what? Today was a little bit rough, but I'm one step closer to my own, you know, destiny, achieving my purpose. And I know my why. And that really, I think, uh, if, if, if an agent can, when he's getting out of the military and he's had his honor or he's retiring from law enforcement and he's getting into private security and he's realizing it's a service related industry. And now he's almost like, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's serving someone. If he can really get his optics on why he's doing it and how it's contributing to his life and whether or not that contribution is worth, worth what he's dealing with or not, then he can keep the right attitude about it. Kind of probably moving forward a little more easily. If you're not keeping Absolutely. those things in the forefront of your mind, you might be dangerous to the client, you know, depending on Absolutely. the client. Um, 100%. That's good stuff, man. Um, what is your why, dude? Uh, my why is um, to basically being able to go out, out in the world and not create, but and not even develop, but to show others the greatness that is inside all of them. And I feel like a lot of people don't have a lot of, uh, unfortunately, confidence in themselves or their abilities. And that shows in their everyday life, whether it be in their relationships, whether it be on the mats, whether it be in the gym, whether it be, you know, if they are an employee or, or they own their own business, 
um, your confidence drives everything. And I feel like, again, that's another misconcept that people don't understand. People think that just because you have the skills, the background or the things, um, you know, the aesthetics um, that it will propel you forward. It's the confidence in your abilities um, that is going to drive you forward. If that's not there, then again, just like your foundation that we talked about earlier, it's, it's eventually just going to fall apart. Um, so my why is being able to go out into the world, go to classes and teach people skills um, that obviously, uh, you know, is designed so that they come home at the end of the day to their families, um, but more so is to create and develop the greatness or the confidence that is in all of them. Uh, because again, if you can, um, you know, run a shooting and moving drill where you're, you know, moving in a serpentine snake fashion is a drill I do at the end of my classes. Oh, sorry, one second here. All good. No worries. <laughs> Yo, bro. There's a, <laughs> there's a, uh, there's a drill I do at the end of my classes called the uh, Nokia snake drill. Okay. It was, uh, again, developed by my good friend, Teddy. And basically it involves constantly moving throughout this serpentine fashion, kind of similar to that Nokia snake game that you had, you know, on the old Nokia phones. And it's all with one target of steel and, and you know, can go with either pistol or rifle. And again, if you can do that drill while moving, you know, if you can shoot while moving, dealing with reloads, um, dealing with footwork, dealing with throttle control, then that, you know, business meeting that you've been dreading for the past month on Monday you have to deal with is going to be a cakewalk. And I feel like, again, people that don't understand the firearms industry, that don't understand firearm ownership, just look at a deadly tool when in reality it can be transferred over to so many other various concepts in somebody's life. Absolutely, man. No, that's good, dude. I love what you said about, well, your why and my why are really like a lot alike, man, because I know where I came from. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know where I came from, dude. Like, I was just a fat little black kid, man. And like, I was like running around and like, I go to the Bahamas, all the little Bahamian kids were like, yo, he's an American. I bet he's soft. And I had to fight them every single summer and they'd pick yeah. on me. And then I'd come back over to the U S and I was like the only black kid in my school. Yeah. You know I mean, which yeah, I mean, what the white folks didn't want to fight me, but, <laughs> but it was still like I was the only, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And I just remember where I came from and where I'm at now. And like one of the main reasons why I do what I do is a lot of what I do is I want to empower people, meaning I want people to realize the greatness they have on the inside of them. I want them to cultivate it. I believe it's everyone's number one responsibility, even before having kids to get their greatness out, like to get this, to, to contribute. You know, I talked about it just this morning on one of my videos, man, like this whole thing's a miracle. There's a billion different things that could have happened in the womb, in the universe. This is a textbook miracle. There's no real scientific explanation for what this is, this reality and this planet. And uh, the universe has only seen one of each and every one of us. And so, yeah, man, my whole deal is I know where I came from. I know where I'm at now. I think everyone can do things like what I'm doing. I'm not doing that much amazing stuff, but like I have confidence and I feel good about myself. And I, I, I really like live to be able to contribute that, dude. That's awesome. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. That, dude. And then you were talking about confidence and I, I really, I agree with you, man. I think the confidence is everything. Um, I think that's why it's one of the primary things women look for in, in, in a man. It's because, you know what? His ability to provide and protect me and, and be a good man is going to really, it's going to come out of his confidence. It's going to come out of his uh, ability to go out there in the world and whip it on and fight dragons, fight bears and go hunt things that could possibly kill him. And 
uh, you know, go for that job interview and, you know, it's also more or less biologically driven too. like a female biologically wants to a heterosexual female wants to be with a heterosexual man, mostly based on the, if they can protect them or right. their offspring. Like that's simple biology. Biology, right. <laughs> yeah, nah, man. So that's, that's huge, man. That's awesome. So combat philosophy, do you have like, uh, I don't know, how do you look at combat? How do you look at, you know, when you're teaching and stuff, even when you're running drills, like kind of, I don't know, what's, what would you say your philosophy is on combat? And, you know, do you have like a when violence is the answer, it's the only answer, or how do you approach that? I view it as, um, to quote, you know, a friend and author of mine, Jack Dunham, and violence isn't the only answer, but it's the final answer. And, you know, with, 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 with what I do and, and, you know, with me traveling around and teaching these classes, which obviously they're all, you know, we, we do a fun in my class, you know, it is a, it is a collaborative learning experience, but at the end of the day, I'm teaching others skills that could inevitably change the outcome of somebody else's life. And I feel like a lot of people, uh, again, look over that just because they like to buy the cool kit or they want uh, to get the certificate or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, I'm teaching you literally how to kill another human being. And that's a lot of responsibility for somebody to, to take upon. And, you know, I've met, you know, I, especially with me traveling all the time, I'm, I'm obviously on flights. And of course, people sit next to me and we get in a conversation. They ask what I do and I tell them I'm a teacher. And like, oh, what kind of teacher? They expect, you know, like an English teacher or, you know, history. <laughs> well, and I have to oh, tactful about it so I don't, you know, have, have the air Trigger them. Yeah, exactly. You already got a beard. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I look like some, some Russian terrorist or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I explain to them that, you know, I teach aspects um, of self-reliance of how to come home at the end of the day. And they're like, Oh, well I could never carry a gun. I'm like, that's fine. You know, I don't expect everybody that I meet to carry a gun. That's a lot of responsibility for somebody to have. I'd much rather somebody be like, you know what? I'm not comfortable with that. I don't want to carry cool versus somebody who just can carry because they can have never taken classes. And that's where it kind of goes in with my state, New Hampshire, New Hampshire, Vaughn, Maine, all constitutional carry. So, yeah, it's good, but I also view it as a double-edged sword because on one end, um, I'm not a fan of state and institutionalized training because all the states I've been to, it's very indoctrinated and has no com- has no relationship to concealed caring. Yeah. Um, and on the other side of the fence, yeah, it is your right, but it is your responsibility to go out there and get the training. So if you want to care, it's yeah. all well and good, but you need to keep up with it because if not, you're being a liability to those in uh, those people in those loved ones around you. Um, so I feel like with what I do, I'd much rather, you know, I I hope people never have to use these skills, you know, to just defend themselves. I hope that because of the skills that they have, they're able to either verbalize their way out of it or just remove themselves entirely because they are limiting what we talked about earlier with that past fixation. And then the ironic part is, is that with, with the people that train as much as you or I or other people, even my students do the probability of them ending up in a situation where they have to use a firearm to defend themselves or loved ones, teammate, partner, whatever. Well, not teammate, partner, obviously the law enforcement, they have higher probability, but themselves or their loved ones is fairly low. And the reason for that is not to get into 
in depth with criminal psychology, but basically criminals, as you know, are like apex predators, right? Yeah. So they go, they want the most amount of calories for the least amount of effort. And that's quoted by my good friend, uh, William April. And basically something as simple as having your shoulders back, looking around you is going to, could possibly deter that average criminal. Now, obviously if the person is mentally disturbed or, you know, a sociopath, that, that may be a different story, but the average petty criminal that, you know, wants your wallet, cash, uh, your car, whatever it may be, is going to be like, you know what? That guy looks like, you know what he's doing. I'm going to move on to the next person. And they're going to go with the person with the earbuds in, hoodie on, in the iPhone, instant soft target right there. Yeah. Um, so, so I feel like with my combat philosophy is that if you do have to utilize violence in the, in the protection of yourself, your loved one, teammate or partner, do what is necessary to come home at the end of the day. Um, and you know, that may be, you know, in a unarmed or a grappling altercation where, um, you know, you don't have the ability to be at two arms reach and you need to shoot from attention. That may mean plugging the guy eight or 10 times in the pelvic region. So he drops like a sack of potatoes and you end the fight right there. That may mean getting your blade out and doing what's necessary and plugging him like a shiv. And that may mean getting, you know, excrement on of his on you. That may mean getting dirty. That may mean having somebody else's life in your hands. And again, I feel like that's where it goes back to where mental development and um, mindset really comes into favor. Because again, you can have all the, the cool kit in the world. You can have the best gun, you know, NVGs. You can have the coolest kit. Um, just like you can have the coolest, you know, gym set up. You, you can have, you know, the newest lifters, the newest straps, or, you know, the best supplements in the world. But if you don't have that mental tenacity to continue when you're tired, when the odds are stacked against you, when you just want to quit, then it's all null and void. It's all yeah. null and void. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. yeah. That software is really what's going to dictate, you know, that your, your resilience, your ability to be resourceful, your ability to see Absolutely. the gaps. If you, even have, if you don't have the training to be able to see the gaps and see the opportunities and capitalize on them, you know what I mean? Like all these different things. No, I dig it, man. I like that. And you know, it really seems like surviving a violent encounter, you know, like you were saying earlier, when you strap up, you leave your house, you're writing a blank check, whether you realize it or not. Uh, it seems like really surviving one of those encounters. It's the culmination of a lifetime of decisions that really all come, it, it, that bring you down to one moment where you either have what it takes to make the split second decisions, you know, or you don't, you know, um, and you're going to end up as a statistic on the news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like in, in yeah. nowadays, man, like, yeah. So that, no, I dig that man. And I like what you said about, you know, doing whatever it takes, you know, and being willing to do whatever it takes. Cause I think that's really what ends up. That really is what ends up like being able to go the distance. And I think something else we got from the Marine Corps is being able to, being acquainted with violence and being able to understand like, yo, this is really what it might take. Like, and being a little more inoculated to that, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and again, not to get like, well, we were talking yeah. about before we started with philosophy and all that, but I, I feel like in today's day and age uh, that people want to ignore violence as it's something that can be done away with. 
yeah. because we're at such a technological ridden level that we've done so much in so little time. Like if you look, you know, just, oh, what is it? Probably, I can't do math, probably 60 years ago, like in the fifties, we didn't have, you know, the, you know, Wi-Fi or iPhones or anything like that. Yeah. Or even, you know, in, in the early 2000s, those didn't even exist to, to come where we are today. And I think because of how quickly we've gone to that level, a lot of, uh, people believe that we're above violence and we can do without it. And reality is that humans have been killing other humans since we emerged from caves thousands of years ago. That hasn't since changed. It will never change. Since we ever. found each other. <laughs> like literally. Exactly. Like, since one dude was like, I want your food. The dude was like, no. And he was like, dude. all right, well, I'm going to club you in the face with a rock. Okay. And now he's dead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and this and, took place. 96 hours after they met. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, the, the setting and the environment may have changed, but the end goal or even the tools have changed. But at the end of the day, it's still the same. One human taking another human's life, one being the victor, one being the victim. And instead of ignoring it or trying to find a solution or trying to figure out the why behind why it happened, why don't more people just start, figuring out that maybe I should train and protect myself instead of allowing somebody else to dictate my safety. Yeah. And like, okay, I don't know why, but I'm going to figure out how to deal with it. What would you say to that? I mean, it also kind of contradicts what you do for a living. So, that's how they chose to deal with it. They're like, you know what? I don't have the bandwidth to learn all this trash and also take over the world in my industry and win and run my company. So the way I'm going to deal with it is I'm going to have you to specialize in that trash. You know what I mean? And so here we are. I'm not a peasant. I don't, I don't deal with violence. I'll have somebody else deal with yeah, yeah, exactly. I've got violence <laughs> holding yeah, my, exactly. you know, like outside of the car. Yes. No, I, yeah. and I love it. I love it. It's an honor to do it, you know. Um, but, yeah, solve the problem however you, however you can. What would you say to, like, this, the guy who's like, you know what? I need to start taking my, my own ability to defend myself and my family seriously. Where do I start? Um, like, honestly, the biggest factor is uh, like the average uh, person in the firearms industry would just say, go get a gun. And <laughs> I kind of view the opposite of that because obviously people, you know, it, firearms are still a very taboo thing depending on, you know, um, your inter-family relationships. You know, there's, you know, a lot of people that I've met where they're like, yeah, my, uh, my mother-in-law, she, she hates guns or, you know, I wasn't brought up in a household with guns or this or that, or just simply, you know, the state that you live in may, may be super difficult to jump through the hoops to own a firearm. And at the end of the day, the firearm isn't the only solution. Like, and, and, and I see that as a big problem in the industry as a whole is people figuring that a firearm is the solution to everything, yeah. which it is not at all. Um, there's plenty of other uh, situations that you could uh, be in where a firearm isn't the answer to be because, you know, the, the, the drunk guy at the bar doesn't deserve to have a bill drill dri- dri- uh, drilled into his chest. You know, he, he no. just doesn't. No. Um, so the, the first thing, honestly, I would tell somebody is to start some type of grappling. And the reason why I'm specific with grappling is I've done other martial arts in the past and nothing compares to one person battling with another person for position 
with constant pressure against one another. And that's where that whole adversity thing comes full circle here with constant pressure against one person against another. Now I don't care if it's judo, sambo, uh, American wrestling, can't catch can wrestling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, whatever it may be, some form of grappling. And I'm not going to say that, you know, jujitsu or grappling is the end all martial art. Cause obviously you need to learn how to strike. So if you want to learn how to strike, go to a boxing gym, um, Muay Thai, um, the, the, the same with that. But as a good framework of reference, I'm a huge proponent on starting off with some form of grappling. Cause not only will that give you more confidence in your abilities, but it's a great workout. Um, it feels good teamwork and camaraderie with one another. And it's a good stress reliever. Like when I go and travel and I've missed the, you know, a week of jujitsu with traveling, I come home and I'm all pent up and I'm all anxious. My wife is like, just, just go, just, just go and get choked out for, for two hours. And I come back and I'm all like happy, giddy, like, like everything. Down, like, and, and, and yeah, and you, and you tell that to the average person, like, wait, you get stress relief from getting the crap beaten out of you. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I guess I do. And yeah. it definitely takes a, <laughs> a definitely a specific mindset to be able to pay money to a gym to basically be hammered for years on end until you get better. That's really the only way with, yeah. uh, but, at least with the reference points that I have with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is yeah. getting hammered for years until you don't get hammered anymore. Yeah. But I think it's good. It's, it's understanding stress. Like there's positive stress. You know what I mean? Like um, there's something to be said for when you are rolling with a dude and you, and you're, there's something to be said for really any activity, but like when you're in the, on that mat, like you gotta be there, bro. You gotta be present, bro. Nothing else matters. Yep. The bills don't matter. The kid's not crying right now. Yeah. I mean like the girlfriend, whatever it is, homie, don't get choked out, get that position. Yeah. I mean yep. like just, you know, Absolutely. don't move your elbow. Like there's these, there's all these dynamics that are happening, you know, when you're doing whatever that is, or like for me, you know, like when I'm in the gym and I'm lifting and I'm doing all my stuff, like, I'm there 100% and it's like a mental yep. and So it's stress, but it's this healthy stress. You know what I mean? Uh, but I think also a, a lot of the wisdom in what you're saying too is get, it's a great way to get acquainted with violence uh, without actually doing anything that could jack you up. You know what I mean? Like you're getting into these soft combatives now where, you know, you can do jits at like yeah, 85% oh, like you're simulating murder at, basically yeah. the highest you know like yeah, as hard as you can in a lot of as long as you're safe you know what i mean but as, as hard as you can in a lot of ways different sizes different skill levels um there's respect and there's honor there but a lot of us i feel like aren't acquainted with touching humans touching other nope. humans and nope. so you know it puts you in a whole different mindset and you know and you can see more accurately someone's capabilities when you look at them because you know what? You just rolled this week. You've rolled with a couple dudes like that, a couple dudes like this, you know what I mean? And you're not so much like, Oh, that guy's got biceps. I'm mortified. It's like, yeah, you know, maybe you should watch out for that. Like really efficient, like dude, just a really efficient dude who anywhere from could be like from 180 pounds up to, you know, 250. That's kind of like 240, 225 or dude could like hurt your feelings. I mean, like, a 180 pounder who knows what he's doing could just ruin your freaking day, bro. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and, and you, and you can tell when somebody has never done grappling before, like, uh, you know, we get a, every now and again, you get, you know, a new guy that wants to start the gym and you can tell when they first start rolling, they're like timid because they're, because like you said, they're not used to, you know, it's very, it's like 
jujitsu specifically, again, using point of reference, that's all I do. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's intimate violence. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say boxing or Muay Thai or, or any spatial striking art isn't intimate, mm-hmm. but to be that close to another human being, to have like a dude have you in mount in his like sweat fluids are like dripping in your eye and you're like trying to like get it out because you're like, oh God, you like to drip my eye like that. And, uh, you know, it's a very intimate thing at the end of the day and it just breaks, it, it, it breaks you in a good way and it remolds you in a good way and it makes you more confident and it makes you more relaxed yeah. and it just makes you just a, a, a better person. Like I, I've, I've never met somebody that I rolled with that I wouldn't go out and, and, and have a drink with. Like they're, yeah. they're all good people at my gym uh, yeah. just because jujitsu doesn't allow dickheads because uh, somebody so with an ego, somebody yeah that has an unhealthy ego or narcissism, they don't last. They might show up for one and then they, you won't see them ever again because somebody with an unhealthy ego or narcissism, they can't be in a place where they're not the alpha or the one dominating situation. They're not going to, they're not going to stand too well with a dude that's half their weight. Absolutely wrecking them. It's not going to happen. There's humility required and it's self, it's self correcting in a lot of ways, man. It's just like, you know, because if your ego's out of whack and you do one or two things, like, you know, eventually you just kind of find you're getting kind of what you deserve and it's healthy. It's healthy discipline. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, man. No, I need to do more of it. I can't speak too effectaciously on it. Um, yeah, man, I need to get the, my hand to hand game is where I would say that I'm, I'm lacking. I've been like in and out of things. I haven't committed yep. to path yet. Um, but yeah, no, 100%. I think that one of the first things that a civilian would want to understand is violence. They need to understand what it takes. You know, like you said, like be willing to do whatever it takes to come home. But like, I think one of the huge advantages that we have on people and that I've had on people a lot of my life, cause I had to fight a lot growing up is um, I understand I'm acquainted with violence. We're acquainted with violence. We understand how intense, how quickly and how dynamic you have to be, you know? And I think a lot of civilians don't really understand that. And I think that that one understanding, you know, even that one understanding can, can give you quite an edge in a situation. Absolutely. And, you know, you can run a gun all day and, you know, be the quickest out of the holster, but yeah. it's a cardboard target. It's not a living, breathing human being that's trying to attempt to stop you and kill you doing that movement. Yeah. And again, I'm not, and, and again, this isn't, you know, it's not, that I'm talking smack on, you know, what I do for a living, but I just feel like there's a lot of disparity with, there, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance as to people's yeah. abilities, uh, just because they haven't really truly been tested against a formidable foe in a safe environment. Right. Boom. That was very well put. What would you say? <laughs> that was, yeah, I was like, I'm set this perfectly right there. That's good. What would you say about, yeah, drop the mic. What would you say about um, instructors? What should people look for maybe in an instructor before like learning under them, studying under their tutelage? How they teach. Okay. How they bring information across. Uh, because again, I've known, I've, I've been in classes either as a student or an adjunct instructor or just an, in, an observer where they are shit hot at demonstrating the drills. Like, you know, they are top of the line shooters. Everything is crisp. But when they try to explain it, it's, they sound like a crow magnet that's been like thawed out from like the ice. They literally just, just you know, <laughs> like the epitome of a Marine crayon eater. Like, this is how you do it, dragon. You know, yeah. just like, 
they very, do it and you just do this and that. Yeah. It. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, all right. And, and then they just have you just do the drill and you're like, am I doing this right? Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you leave at the end of eight or 16 hours and you're like, did I just waste my money? I don't didn't really get anything out of this Yeah. versus the person who has the one-on-one time that has the one-on-one time with you that actually educate you based on the way that you learn where you're at and they may not be the best shooter. Like for an example, I can tell you first and foremost, I am not the best shooter that is out there. I have had plenty of students in my class that can outshoot me and that's all well and good because at the end of the day, I'd much rather them give me than I'd much rather me give them everything and have them outrun me than me not give them everything and have me still outshoot them. Because yeah. what, what does that do for me? That's like me as the blue belt in class, absolutely hammering the white belts and be like, yeah, man, I got that arm bar. And it's like, like, first class, <laughs> like, what does that do for me other than feed my unhealthy ego? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, it, 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 it's definitely a balance. Um, but you know, it also shows me if they do shoot, do outshoot me, it instantly shows me that I have stuff to work on. And that's like yeah. we talked about in the very beginning about constantly chasing that unattainable perfection. Yeah. Heck yeah. Having a real yeah. awesome relationship with it, you know? And I think like when I say, think about perfection, it's like, I'm always looking for that perfection. I'm always looking for my potential, but like I'm practicing for permanence too. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to get a, a new, better permanent. That's like what I'm always looking for, man. It's like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. But yeah. never getting to it. And the only time you get yeah. to it is when you're on your deathbed. Right? Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, man. And what you're saying about the instructor game is is awesome because there are dudes, like, there are people that maybe don't perform or maybe don't perform anymore, you know, at the level that some of us can now, but, like, the information, the knowledge. What can you do with the knowledge that's being imparted based on your, at, at your level, if you're humble enough to listen, you know, if you're humble enough to absorb that information and then apply it, you know, like, boom, what does it mean for you as an individual? You know, what it might mean for me and what it might mean for someone who's at another skill level beyond mine, it, it, the differences are, can be tremendous, but absorbing that information and being taught that information in a way that's going to better my life or better your life. That's, that's what a good instructor will do. And they're bringing their life experience, right? And it's just simply just creating a relationship with them versus yeah. them just being this, you, the instructor, them as the students, yeah. actually being cohesive and creating a relationship out of it. Like being able for them to leave after that, uh, eight or 16 hours and you to actually build a relationship. Like you, you know, for them to hit you up in the DMS on Instagram, be like, Hey man, how, how's your day going? How's those drills going? Mm-hmm. Instead of it just being like, being above them like oh they or they can't come and talk to you you know when they're reloading back the line during the class or they can't come over and talk to you during lunch or whatever and and that's where i feel like there's a huge disparity again in the community where people feel that they need you know that to create this harsh line of instructor and student and obviously there does at some point during the class you know you can't be you know dropping jokes and you know having this 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 uh non formal uh yeah. you know relationship the class. yeah but but at the same time you can't make it can't make them feel uncomfortable enough that you obviously won't have a returning customer right 100 percent. and i dig it um that's something else that i always keep in mind too when i see instructors and i go to courses is like hey look man like you know the way the world works now this dude's got to walk the line between per, per 
proficiency and participation. Um, and like, he's here to teach people stuff, but like, how do I say this? They also need to have a positive experience. And so he yep. probably isn't, it's not good for him to go as hard on into some things or in, in certain ways that, as, as he would, if we were like, say in the military or somewhere else, or, or be able to bring everyone up to a certain level. You know what I mean? So I always pay attention to that and try to like, I don't know, maintain my own standards within kind of what's going on because it's, I imagine that instructing you're in kind of a weird spot a little bit, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like between the business and oh, yeah. you're trying to get these high level skills across, but like you might not always have like people that appreciate that, you know what I mean? But you're still running a business, you know, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I haven't really uh, come across that uh, too much. All the, all the students uh, I, I've had in my class are all open to, uh, Getting after they're all open. Oh yeah, they're they're all open to, to to push themselves because definitely, I definitely attract a certain um, clientele per, per se. Obviously, the persona yeah. I give off mm-hmm. on social media is going to be the same in class, and and I yeah. and I feel like uh, people think that it's going to be this huge disparity, um, this huge difference um, in regards to how I am on the interwebs versus how I am in real life, and, and there's not. I'm literally the, the same person. I have no, I have no reason to, to create this, this, uh, you know, this, the shadow or this, this cloud of difference just because again, in this industry, I feel like there's, there's too much of that. Um, and, and there's no need for it. Like if you are true to yourself, true to your passion, true to your profession, why are you going to create two different per- personas? It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. 100%. What would you say about, uh, training, firearm skills outside of the range do you need a range to become more proficient uh, I, de- I, I definitely feel like with the actual uh, you know with like drills that involve cycling of the gun such as you know like recoil management um, or um, we'll say mechanical offset with the rifle um, stuff like that where you can actually see you know how the rounds are impacting yes but for mechanics and isolation such as the draw stroke, such as mounting the rifle, such as reloading, whether it be with a rifle or a pistol, such as driving the rifle or the pistol to the new target, breaking your eyes out of the sights and moving to the new target, that or movement, um, that can all be done, dry fire in, in your house, in your yard, um, you know, in your living room per se. I, I, I do it all the time. You know, there, there's, it, there, there's certain things that can be done uh, without live ammunition. Uh, but obviously the danger to that is just getting sucked into that. And the next thing you know, you're like, wow, it's been a month and I haven't even been to the range yet. So that's where the, the danger lies. Um, just like the danger lies is always relying on range time when you can get more and you be, and you can have more of an advantage by using your time wisely. And maybe instead of, you know, going out to par with the boys, maybe spending an extra 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes a night, and just doing those dry fire drills, you know, setting a part timer on your timer and saying, all right, can I get, can I mount my rifle and do a reload and drop the bolt in, you know, 2.5 seconds and yeah. set the part time and, and work, you know, do just very simple things like that. And again, it's completely free. It doesn't cost any ammo. It doesn't require you to leave your house. It can all be done, you know, you can do it in your pajamas for all I care, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, like, and, we call it underwear hours. Me and my buddies call it underwear hours. Cause it's yeah. like, you're and, but, and, and, 
And again, the, the other danger lies is if you've never been to a class to build that foundation and you're relying on uh, only dry fire time. Because again, if you don't have a foundation or a reference point to base that off of, yeah. your dry fire could inadvertently be building bad habits because you didn't have a coach or a teacher to tell you if you're doing uh, you know X right or wrong. Right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Quality reps quality time, quality habits. Exactly. How do you gauge that if you're just like, you know, it's just you in the mirror kind of thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. Heck yeah, man. Um, last few questions. Uh, we answered a few of these. What would you say? Um, what are you most excited about teaching right now? What are you most excited about contributing right now? Probably my most excited, my excited class the most excited to teach but is my most unpopular is my point driven strategies class it's roughly based off of uh, again my friend mentor Craig Douglas he offers a coursework called edge weapons overview uh, mine is point driven strategies the overall concept is the same it's basically um, adapting uh, wrestling with um, edge weapons so uh, you know, there's been plenty of times where I'm out having drinks and I obviously can't carry or I'm in a place yeah. where I can't carry, but I have a blade on me yep. and people, you know, and I've done very traditional types of blade work out there in the past, um, mm. to build my framework of reference. Um, and it, and it, and it works, but it just takes many years to master. And for the average consumer, the average client I have in my class is probably the only blade class they take, you know, this year or ever. Yeah. Um, so I, I want the most robust and useful skills in those eight or 16 hours, depending on what coursework that I'm teaching. And awesome. it's basically adapting modern Greco Roman wrestling mm-hmm. or ancient, I guess, however you want to look at it into you know, plugging in a blade. So understanding posture, position, hand control, and then a very bluntly, uh, you know, how to get a blade out or an implement and how to put put the point into the adversary multiple times until you get the illicit result that you desire. Um, so people always ask like, Oh, what's the best, you know, blade system out there. I'm like, you, you want to know what the best blade system is Go on to YouTube and type in prison fight. Or prison <laughs> the, re- and, the freaking MMA of knife fighting real world. This is where you stand yeah, with trash. That yeah, ain't and, sharp. And, and, and I can guarantee you that those guys aren't like a grand Toro in, you know, some, some, you know, Escrima or right. whatever it may be. They just know, okay, I form this piece of plastic into a tip. That's a piece of flesh. I'm going to put this into you multiple times until I get what I want out of you or you're dead or both. Who cares? Yeah. No spin so, moves, no magical exactly. hands. So, like, so that's basically how I adapt that, that coursework. We spent basically the, the first couple hours of the first day going over the criminal psychology, like we, we briefly talked about pre-assault cues, stuff of that nature, how to verbalize with somebody. Yeah. And then we work in, okay, verbalization, verbalization has failed. Now, how do we get into understanding how to work posture and how to, yeah. you know, work escapes and tie ups and all that jazz. And now how do you plug in a blade from a defense standpoint and now how do we plug in a blade from an offensive standpoint? Um, so that's probably my most uh, exciting course I like to teach just because it's very hands-on because it's very small, minutiae stuff that if you do one thing wrong, it's not going to work. Um, so being able to jump around student to student and just see how uh, people work and move, different people work and move, um, it, it definitely uh, pushes my limits as an uh, teacher to, to see how I need to change things up or um, how I need to better explain things. But unfortunately, most gun people don't want to pay X amount of money to spend one or two days to have the crap beaten out of them. So, 
it's my, my most unpopular, unfortunately, but it is my most favorite to teach when I do get the time. That's what's up, man. That's funny. That's good, though. Yeah. That's good stuff, man, because, yeah, okay, executive protection dudes, you're going to another country, you're not carrying. You're yeah. on a plane, you're not carrying. You're in an airport, you're not carrying. Yeah. You're, you know, you're any of the multitudes of places that you're going to be, venues, can you carry in the club? Do you got contacts like that? Should you carry in the club? You know I mean, like, you know, here we go. You know, you're probably not carrying. So, um, this stuff is good to know, good to understand. Uh, Absolutely. It will be decisive with that in that game. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome. Uh, if you were going to give one takeaway to pistol dynamics for the listeners, what would you give them a paramount um, piece of information? Like, what do you mean, uh, pistol dynamics specifically? Uh oh. <laughs> so, what? like, if you're gonna say something like, "Hey, when dealing with a pistol, what's like one rule that you think is one of the most important things for someone to consider uh, when it comes to just like pistol marksmanship um, that maybe doesn't get enough is talked about as much, or you know, something that people should be paying attention to when they're manipulating their pistol." Definitely grip and trigger are one of the biggest failure points when it comes to inaccuracies with pistols. So either with a uh, grip that's too tight, you're going to you know, end up inadvertently pulling that shot because you're one knuckle death gripping the gun. Obviously too loose, you're going to, um, you know, uh, you're not going to allow the slide to function properly. And then being not being unfamiliar or in or un intimate with your uh, trigger per se um, is it also going to allow you to have um, inaccuracies on the target. So understanding where the travel and the wall is in your trigger and how to manipulate that properly, because a lot of people you'll see, they'll touch the trigger and then they'll slam it to the rear and then you have that pulling of the shot. So being able to draw that pistol, track that trigger to the wall as you're presenting it, is going to take out any variable of you inadvertently pulling that shot. So then when you break that shot, there's no variable whatsoever of that travel. You're breaking it, limited reset, breaking it, limiting reset. So you have a, in theory, not a light trigger, but a trigger with zero travel because you're intimate enough to know how your trigger is set up. And obviously everybody is set up different. Some people have stock, some people have aftermarket, some people have one pound, two pounds. You know, some people this connector, that connector. So it all depends on how your trigger is set up and a practice with it. And that's why getting that dry fire weapon of getting the pistol out, tracking it to the wall. And then when those spikes align, break the shot, reset the slide, put it back and just do multiple reps like that will allow you to get more familiar with how your trigger is set up per se. Thank you. Okay. No, I totally dig it. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. Good gouge considerations, y'all. Um, daily ritual that you believe makes you better at what you do. I was hoping you're going to say this because now, now we can go and now we can go into that. That, that ice water, bro. Uh, yeah, exactly. Dude, I'm like, seriously, like you were acting like it was okay. a jacuzzi. Okay. All right. So <laughs> about, it's almost been a year at this point. A friend yeah. of mine I did jujitsu with introduced me to this guy named Wim Hof. He's this guy from Holland. Uh, there's a whole, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff on, on, on YouTube. Vice actually did a really good documentary on him and they call him the Iceman. And the reason for that is because he found a way through breath work um, that he is able to scientifically control his autonomic nervous system. 
So autotomic meaning usually that obviously you have no control over it. And he found a way through breath work and meditation that you can control that, which will in turn um, control your overall health. So I obviously thought it was BS at first. Um, obviously did my research first and foremost. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. Um, he had a, he has a free app that you can download. Um, basically consists of uh, breath work consisting of 30 or so breaths in and out. And then the last breath you exhale halfway and basically you hold it. So it's basically controlled hyperventilation. And through that you're oxygenating your muscles and creating it uh, more alkaline than acidic and obviously you know I'm, I'm not a scientist i may get the the verbiage wrong but overall it creates an internal fire in you so to speak which makes you warmer and then by contrasting it with the ice shower um for first of all the, the cold water benefits are huge to begin with um and in regards to overall health circulation of your uh, blood vessels um virility for men. Um, it's basically obviously taking like a shot of caffeine, obviously, if you're not a coffee person. Hell yeah, it sure it. is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and also, if you do it before you go to bed, your body sleeps at a lower temperature better anyway. So if you were to do it before you go to bed, you're going to sleep like a baby. Um, but the biggest thing is, for me, it's developing that mental tenacity. Yeah. Uh, because obviously if you try this, um, you know, if you're the first time trying this, you want to get out immediately because your body's like, this is cold. I want out of here. So it's fighting that fight or flight type, uh, wow. mindset that your body is giving off. Um, so being able to sit in, in ice shower, because obviously when I first started out, I would start with a warm shower and then turn it down at the end for like 30 seconds, a minute, and then slowly bump it up from there. But now I can just turn it on just at the minimum setting is in a jump right in. And while I'm doing that, I'm in the moment I'm focusing, I'm breathing, doing this breath work as I would, you know, uh, before I jumped in the shower, because if not, if I if get unfocused for a second, I start shivering, I start shaking. Uh, but the minute I start refocusing, I focus on the breathing. It's just like a normal shower to me. Yeah, it's cold. Um, uh, but I really can't feel it at all. Um, the way that you want anymore at all. And, uh, every now and again, I try like, uh, last winter I did it once this winter. I'm going to try it again. Obviously I did it once so far with the river down by my house and it was 17 degree air temperature outside. Uh, when I did that, um, did the breath work beforehand, went down there, jumped in. I stayed in for uh, four minutes. The only reason I didn't stay in longer was because regardless of the control of your body, the first thing that's going to go in that temperature of the water is going to be, you know, the, um, the movement of your hands and your feet. And the current was, the current was so strong that I'm like, if I stay there any longer, I'm, I'm going to be, I, I can't feel anything. Like, I just felt I had just nubbed for like hands. So I couldn't grip anything. So I just stayed in there for, for that amount of time because I felt like I was going to be taken away from by the, uh, by the rush of the current. Uh, but honestly, the hardest part of that wasn't the actual, getting in and sitting there is actually thawing back out and that blood coming back to my hands, my feet. Cause as you know, when you're cold and the blood comes back, it's like a burning sensation. Yeah. But yeah, there was, there were, there was lots of that, but it's actually very freeing. Uh, it, it, it's yeah. a really difficult explanation. It, it's, it, it's, it's something that I've never experienced before uh, in regards to, being able to start my day out like that every day, jumping into a three to five minute 
I shower every single morning and knowing that if I can do that first thing in the morning without any breakfast, without working out, just doing breath work and then jumping into that, anything that encompasses my life for the rest of the day or for the rest of the day is going to be a cakewalk. And kick rocks. That's exactly. No, I I understand that. I don't take cold (laughs) showers. Bro, I I, am from the Bahamas. (laughs) I will be the first to admit I'm so bad at cold, bro. Like I, well, I have two modes. I have like, silly villain mode where like if it's cold i'm like i'm like miserable i'm putting hats on everything like i'm good i ain't never gonna be a little b about it you know what i'm saying i just i just don't do cold you know what i'm saying yeah i got the other modes still like if i'm stuck like we gotta freeze tonight like i'll just sit there and be quiet and probably go a little bit internal <laughs> like just be miserable until it's over you know yeah. but uh man what you're talking about in terms of mental and emotional strength uh as as a stinking like habit in terms of the way that that'll inoculate you to pain inoculate you to stress that habit is legit bro like it's just gonna it's just gonna being able to sit there discipline control your body sit in that environment that's so uncomfortable and just my dad used to get me to try to get me to do this when I was little. He's a fan, <laughs> actually. And I and I, I hate that you make it sound so good. I genuinely hate that you make it sound so legit. Because I know tomorrow when I take the shower, there's going to be a moment where I'm going to look at the cold knob, the cold button, and I'll be like, <laughs> I ain't doing it, though, probably. It's going to take, like, months of this in here, like, thinking about it and messing with it and be like, yo, you know you're acting like a little – you know you need to just do it, right, <laughs> uh, before I do it. But – um. Nah, man, that's, that's really yeah, good. And, 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 and the breath work as well um, has really helped out my overall fitness and okay. jujitsu as well. Uh, being able to focus on each individual breath and being able to basically hold your breath, um, even though when your body is telling you that you need to breathe, uh, because even though th- there's like that, because you're basically, I hate to say dry land drowning or, you know, uh, you know, uh, hyperventilating yourself. Yeah. Uh, but, but the reality is that when I first started, I could hold my breath maybe like a minute and a half. And uh, I think a couple, like last month or so, I held it for four minutes flat on, uh, you know, probably a quarter lung full of air. Wow. Um, and that's just through being able to focus on each breath, being able to um, understand that, you know, this is fine. I can take a breath if I need to, but being able to push fast that mental boundary. Cause like anything else, whether it be shooting, whether it be fitness, business, whatever it may be, this is the defining factor. Yep. You know, if you can't push past this, then like you talked about before, it doesn't matter. It's all null and void. Freaking glass ceiling, man. You're done training yep. glass ceiling. You absolutely stop where you quit, man. Oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. I'm going to consider that a habit. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I am, I am telling you. Go on and what was the name of the? Check it out. Wim Hof, yeah. W-I-M-H-O-F. And, okay. you know, he... The scientists obviously didn't believe him at first, so they actually injected him with a virus, like a, a, a cold. Like they were like, we'll see if you can fight off this cold. And he fought off. So obviously that's like, well, you're freaking nature. So they had 12 of his, hate to say followers, that sounds like a cult, but basically people that he, that um, trained. Uh, trained under him, they do the same thing. Yeah. Awesome. And he, he swam under a sheet of ice, like in the Arctic. They cut out a hole in the... <laughs> They're like, we're going to kill this fool. They're like, <laughs> yeah, and he swam under um, to, to the other end, like to cut a hole in the other end. He said the only thing that his actual retinas froze up. He couldn't even see anything halfway through there. But he came out completely unfazed. He 
his temperature of his skin was unchanged. I gotta look into this, bro. I'm That's telling you, dude. Up, like I'm not, I, I'm not one to drink the Kool Aid. Yeah, him, bro. But. This is some new stuff, man. I mean, but that's that's. I mean, that's the game. I mean, if you, even if you look at, you know, I was in this knockout conversation with one of my buddies, and we talked about all kinds of stuff. But we were sitting there kicking it, and he was like talking about the placebo effect, and I was like, "Yeah, dude." But the thing about the placebo effect is, it's a thing. Like, it's really a thing. Like, yeah. like your body. Like, even if you get into epigenetics and what controls your genes and unlocks genes and controls your body on a cellular level, biochemical level. If you look at someone who's a hypochondriac, the placebo effect and the nocebo effect is some trash. Your body actually responds to. That's why it's in the studies because you can give someone a chalk pill or sugar pill and be like, "Yo, this is gonna cure your cancer. This, this, this is this right here is gonna cure you." And they get cured, you know? So, um, and, and again, it goes full circle again with that belief in yourself and the confidence yeah. in yourself. If you believe it, and I'm not, not going to say that it holds completely true. Like, obviously, if you believe you can create a time travel machine, it's a different story. But with stuff mm-hmm. like that, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people would be happier in their life if yeah. they believed more in themselves, if they believe that they could go out there and start their own business and start and stop, you know, uh, you know, or stop caring about other people's opinions, start believing more in themselves, yeah. they'd be a lot more happier people in the world. Honestly, and on, with what you're talking about too, one last thing on that, confidence comes from experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah, you're going to your job that you hate and you're dealing with these people that you're afraid of and you're cowering. Maybe you're like in a place where, you know, you're a little bit fear-based, fear-driven. Go ahead and take a cold shower, brah. And then realize, hey, you know what? It didn't kill me. It did suck, but I stayed there. And like, I'm telling you, if you can start having these little victories, it will change the whole entire way you look at and drive through and deal with life, you know? So, uh, that's a great way to inoculate yourself, man, and get stronger internally. Man, That's good stuff. I'm going to look up that doctor, man. I'm going to send you the link after this. I'm do it, you. man. Do it. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, cool, man. And then I was looking on your website, something that caught my attention to remote coaching. What was that about? Yeah, so uh, this was <laughs> this is actually um, this isn't anything new in regards to how I go about it. Um, I've yeah. seen other people do in the past, but um, I actually do remote coaching with my fitness coach. He lives out in Washington State. He was one of my students when I was out teaching in Oregon last year, and okay. him and I hooked up. And he's been doing my teaching remotely for my fitness stuff for almost a year at this point. Yeah. And I figured, why not translate the same idea over to firearms? So basically it's a package 30, 60 or 90 days, depending on, you know, what your, ba- what your bank accounts can support. Yeah. And it comes down to a uh, majority of it being dry fire uh, with a small amount of time being live fire. And that's obviously because obviously someone's coming to me for remote coaching because they can't get to the range as much as they want, whether it be family work, money, um, whether they're in the you know middle of sticks like Alabama or, you know, Mississippi, somewhere in the middle of nowhere where they, they don't have the ability to go to a range, go to a class. Mm-hmm. Um, so they want, uh, some quality training. So it's all, I actually use, um, the app that my coach uses for my fitness stuff. It's actually a fitness app where I can plug in whatever drill I want. I can, uh, and they basically record themselves, they upload it. And then I break it down with the coaches. I app. So you've probably mm-hmm. seen that the coach coaches. I app before it's basically a video app that, uh, football coaches use or any other really, uh, uh, what's it called? The coach. Coach's eye. 
Okay. And it, and you're basically able to slow it down, do voiceover over the video, and like draw on it to to, to like especially with like say like Olympic weightlifting movements, yeah. like this clap, this uh, the, the snatch of the clean to yeah. show like you know your, your your if your lines are clean or if you're bending back too much and stuff like that. So I do the same thing yeah. with fire. Is your presentation clean? Um, you know, can you make the reload better? You know, stuff like that. And then I send it back to them um, for uh, critiquing. Awesome. So basic stuff like that. Yeah. Dude, that's really cool. That's cooler than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> that's cool, <laughs> man. Heck yeah. Uh, all right. Sweet, man. Well, dude, it's been awesome talking with you, man. I guess uh, what are you up to now? Where can people find you? Shameless plug time. Plug away. Sure. So uh, my website is runenationllc.com. Um, on there has my current up-to-date course calendar for 2019 so far. I have 27 classes slated for this year all across the, uh, the United States. I already did my first one this year in Albuquerque, New, New Mexico. My next one up is uh, at the end of this month, I'll be in Casa Grande, Arizona. And then from there in March, we got um, Colorado, Kentucky, and Oregon, um, out in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and I try to do about two to three classes a month. And that also incorporates uh, local classes here. I do in, in my hometown. Um, and then obviously I'll, I'm also going to be doing some close enrollment law enforcement only classes as well, but all that stuff is up on the website, uh, for my social media. Uh, my Instagram is room nation LLC. Facebook is room nation. Twitter's Room Nation LLC. I really don't use my Twitter. Just more kind of post stuff from my Instagram on there. Uh, but I'm very good about answering my emails or DMs. So if you have a question about anything, gear, classes, whatever it may be, hit me up. I'll be more than welcome to uh, to answer all the questions that you got there. Awesome, brother. Yo, it's been good talking with you, man. It's been real good talking with you. It's an honor having you on the show, brother. I appreciate uh, that. Thank you. Heck yeah, man. Thanks for coming on and hanging with us again. All right, brother. I will see you out there on the interwebs. Check this guy out. Ladies and gentlemen, awesome philosophy behind all the stuff that, uh, that he's teaching. And I think, I think that that's ultra valuable too, man. Uh, because a lot of guys, it's just, it's just not being so one dimensional. You know what I mean? It's being a well-rounded, you know, a well-rounded practitioner. So I definitely respect that. So it's another compliment for you, brother. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thank you. One last question, man. One of my favorite things that I saw that you had that um, really drew me to you is this slogan, no one's coming to save you, brother. No one's coming to save you. What's that about? Uh, so obviously uh, when I created Room Nation, I just really wanted some type of quick slogan saying or whatever it may be that really kind of summed up what uh, Room Nation um, is all about in regards to the, the training philosophy mindset whatever terminology uh, you want to use. And I really feel like that statement really encompasses everything as a whole. And the reason for that is because like we talked about earlier, I feel that too many people rely on somebody else to determine the longevity of their life, uh, whether it be a fitness coach, whether it be, um, and again, that's just not doesn't to take on somebody such as you with your job or law enforcement. Uh, but I feel like at the end of the day, it is your responsibility for your own life, whether it be to eat healthier, whether it be to uh, learn forms of protection to defend yourself or your loved ones, whatever it may be, it is in your hands. And um, it's just a lack of accountability in a majority of people. They want to point fingers when things aren't going their way. They want to 
uh, blame somebody else when in reality the person that's at, that's at fault is the person that's looking at them in the mirror. Um, and I feel like, again, too many people lose sight of that because it's so much easier in the end to point fingers at somebody else or to try and find a reasoning why this is happening instead of just you know, accepting that everything is your fault, whether it be, um, you know, bad relationships, whether that be bad business, whether it be, you know, you can get a PR, whether it be choked on the mat, whether it be you're failing at your business, whether you're, you know, uh, crappy qualification tested the range, whatever it may be, it is your fault. And because of that, the reality is no one is coming to save you, whether it be, um, your life, your loved one's life, your teammate or your partner. So in the end, it's all up to you when it comes to defining forward action and becoming a better individual every single day. Heck yeah, brother. That is what's up, man. I totally dig it. I think there should be, I'm with Victor Frankel on this. There should be a statue of responsive freaking ability on the East coast or on the West coast to balance out the statue of Liberty, because with all this freedom we have, bro, responsibility is required. Otherwise, you know, freedom without responsibility is death. You know what I mean? And the cops are going to show up afterwards and uh, no one's going to win for you in life. No one's going to get you where you need to go. You know what I mean? Most of them are glad you have the problems you have. The other half of them are glad it ain't them. Yeah. I mean, and I love that because it's something that I talk about all the time, man. Like your mommy and daddy lied to you. Like, no, you're special. But unless you figure out how to unlock that and like do something with it, you're just going to die special and not having done anything. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I think that's the reality of life, man. Heck yeah. No, I I honor that. I appreciate that. And personal protection is an individual's own responsibility. You got to get food, water, shelter, and you got to be able to protect that trash and keep it. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, that's much respect for that, Ian. I love that stuff. I love that. I appreciate that, man. Thank I might you. Get a tattoo on that somewhere. Yeah, you know I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right, Bo. you got to pay me five percent every year. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you have that tattoo. That's what's exactly. Up. Okay, heck yeah, Bo. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make America a safer place by teaching people how to protect themselves and the mindset behind that, the lifestyle behind that. You guys are already killing it, $1 a month, $5 $5 a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever you can do that you know you would probably just lose in the mattress anyway or spend on McDonald's. Hey, you want to put it towards something that's going to good use? Put it towards a podcast and get involved in our, our Patreon account at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. And if you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com. Um, you know, do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can to that Patreon account because it makes all of these things possible, ladies and gentlemen. So much love. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for making those contributions. You guys rock. We're already doing amazing there, and it's just because of you guys. So thanks once again for those contributions. Boom. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. This whole entire thing actually just started off as a Facebook group that blew up 
and is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing executive protection uh, Facebook group online. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Uh, follow us on Instagram and check us out at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. If you want to find me, that's Byron Rogers Motivation. Com, and I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. So until the next podcast, y'all, stay sharp out there. And as I say it, one mind, many weapons. Talk soon. Out.